Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something everybody welcome to a brand new episode of paratruth radio my name is eric and i'm justin i hope everyone had a wonderful fourth of july i have to tell you once again and this isn't the first time obviously since i said once again we forgot to say anything about the coming <laughs> holiday the last episode justin and i, I no need to start live. making a schedule <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> We no longer live like week by week or month by month. Our schedule is literally day by day and sometimes hour by hour. Uh, so our apologize, uh, apologies for not wishing everybody a safe and happy fourth, but I hope you did have a safe and happy fourth. Uh, if you didn't, we're very sorry. And uh, we hope that you get back on your feet soon. But with that said, I don't, do you have any housekeeping things before we get into all of this? <laughs> No, um, we're moving along pretty well with Paratruth Radio. Um, got a lot of great stuff coming. Uh, make sure you're you're staying tuned. You know the usual stuff to all the stuff going on. Um, I did at least post on our social medias Happy Fourth to everybody. So uh, yeah, I, I I really need to make an effort to say, Hey, Eric, don't forget that it's going to be a holiday for this episode. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we always I just know. worry always... about Halloween and Christmas. <laughs> the well, the good thing. thing is we don't have to worry about it again until Halloween. So <laughs> at least we Halloween is the one time of year where we're very, very familiar with like, yeah. you know, it's coming around here. I'll tell you what, I, I consider this a holiday. It's probably one of my top three favorite times of the year. Uh, so happy Shark Week, everybody. Today is <laughs> August 11th and Shark Week begins. So let's get watching Discovery Channel so we can enjoy all the sharky little tidbits. August eleventh, weird, huh? Did you say August eleventh? I did say August eleventh because my <laughs> schedule's so effed up. Oh my gosh! See, this is what I'm talking about, guys. I don't even know that it's July. It's <laughs> this is why we're so off schedule with our holidays. July, it is July eleventh. <sighs> you know what? We should just get into the show because I'm just digging holes. <clears throat> Anyway, we do have a good episode for you today. We are going to be continuing our little mini series of our paranormal investigation while in North Dakota. And tonight we'll be going to Fargo uh, to talk about that investigation. But first, before we do that, I did come across an article today that I kind of wanted to bring up and maybe have a little discussion about. Um, so uh, my dad actually sent me a, a article from news.yahoo.com and it was an article by a guy i don't want to give names because you know i just think that's kind of a crappy thing to do when you know i don't want to throw this dude under the bus but i do have some questions about everything he wrote uh, now the piece actually started off as a more political stance talking about trump and people who believe that trump is uh, or should have won this last election now you guys know paratruth isn't very political uh, so we're not talking about that there is a segment in this article, though, right around the middle, that did get my attention, though. And it's one that kind of hit home harder than I thought it would, surprisingly, because it did talk about uh, religion, spiritual things, monsters, ghosts, things like that. Now, <clears throat> what this guy was saying was that basically there is a certain amount of people that willingly believe in lies. One lie in this case, of course, was that Trump should have won the election when the facts prove otherwise, that there was no way he would have won. Now, this guy continues on by saying uh, that in like in the likes um, or likewise, people who believe in religion, 
who believe in ghosts, who believe in the supernatural, who believe, believe in vampires and Bigfoot. Paraphrased, but he did use those terms specifically, uh, are believing yet another lie because they lack critical thinking. Now, those of us who are in the paranormal community who actually believe in these things, believe in them for a reason, I'd imagine. Uh, Justin and myself have experienced paranormal activity. We've experienced yep. the supernatural. And though we may not have experienced something like a Bigfoot, there has been enough evidence in our lives to reckon that there might be some sort of paranormal cryptid out there uh, because of just, you know, look at life. Look at the amount, at the amount of sea creatures that have yet to be discovered and the ones who thought were, we thought were just extinct and yet are being recovered and found to be still very much alive. So it's very possible that there are these cryptids living as well or maybe did live at one point. Now, what bothered me the most is that this guy was stating that we believe the lie of the paranormal because we lack critical thinking skills. But what he doesn't do is go on to provide evidence or facts claiming or at least stating why the paranormal, the supernatural, et cetera, is a lie to begin with. He just simply states we lack critical thinking and therefore we're believing in lies. And that just kind of that that pinched just a bit that, that kind of pissed me off. So. The thing that I wanted to mention was, how do you discern a lie from a truth? Now, for me, I believe in the paranormal because not only have I had the experience to back it up my, for myself, but I've also caught evidence of the paranormal, especially via uh, voice phenomena. So this is on a digital report, uh, voice recorder where I've heard, and I currently have and can share with everybody, uh, a number of disembodied voices that have spoken to me while I was completely secluded in a room and even in a house, meaning there was no outside, um, uh, what's the word? No outside influence. Yes. Influence uh, that was dictating these, these voices, this phenomenon. Uh, and they were intelligent voices. So here I have an experience backed up by literal evidence that really should be enough for me to believe Oh, these things are real. Whereas this guy, on the other hand, says, I don't have any evidence that it isn't real, but it's not real because you're not critically thinking. But anyone who is a critical thinker, and this is just my opinion, anyone who's a critical thinker should also be able to back up the critical thinking with the research to find out what the evidence says or whether or not there is even evidence. I do have a comment really quick. Go ahead. Yep. Uh I, I truly believe that paranormal investigators are one of the most critical thinkers out there because they go into a home, a business, uh, just random places, and they go in with, first off, with an open mind. Not saying it is, not saying it isn't paranormal activity going on. Secondly, one of the first things that they do is go into scientific mode by going into debunk things. Mm -hmm. And that is critical thinking right there. Right. Right. And I think anyone who's doing a proper investigation is going to use a scientific method to help debunk, uh, specifically debunk the evidence that they seem to be finding. You know, they're not going out to prove the existence of something. They're going out to disprove the existence with the hopes right. of maybe finding something that just isn't willing to be disproved. Uh, and that's how we come up with a lot of these theories. So I, I guess it's, it, it really bothered me that this guy was talking about, you know, critical thinking and us believing in lies, while in reality, all he's doing is speaking in ignorance because he himself hasn't provided any evidence uh, and clearly didn't do proper critical thinking. Instead, he's just, I sounded like me, from what I read, annoyed that people weren't following his own atheistic uh, viewpoints. And I don't mean atheistic just in the sense that, you know, he's against religion, but just against anything spiritual or paranormal or out of the ordinary. Uh, and as we can see, and if we've proved time and time again on this show, is science has, at least to an extent, proved that there is something beyond our own existence. What exactly that something is, we don't know. Uh, but we've also stated and showed that there are scientists to this day who have found that they believe in something that could be paranormal or supernatural through the telescope, seeing little intricate details in life that just can't possibly be without some sort of uh, 
higher power or some sort of spiritual entity or some sort of life beyond uh, our own existence, uh, manipulating it or creating it or, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I, I, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. And I think I'm going to go ahead and post that article in the, the, um, the, inf- the info spot. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the info spot right below, uh, you know, this, this, this uh audio so make sure you click on it read through it skim through it whatever i'd like to get your opinion on it Uh, so let me know what you guys think whether you agree with me or whether you have your own you know your own thoughts i just want to know what you guys are thinking but i had to vent a little bit which is why i brought this up and i think i'm good (laughs) (laughs) well it goes along like i said before we started recording it goes along with what we're talking about today because uh the guy didn't want to bring up any type of scientific proof or anything to say this is why there's no such thing. On top of that, he brings up science, but doesn't bring up the fact that science and religion at one point were one and the same. They were joined together, right. not split apart. Correct. You know, and, and I know I understand that the whole base of this article, which is about a two, I don't know, it's probably depending on how fast you read, probably between a two to three minute read. Um, really, if all he was doing was arguing the the thought of critical thinking, the fact that we as human beings should regularly critically think about everything, this article should have been 30 seconds long. It's not that hard because he didn't provide any evidence to tell us why we should be critical thinkers. He just used random things that probably he doesn't believe in to for you know as an examination as to why we should be you know using critical thinking. So I I, I don't know. I, I I guess in part maybe because we are researchers and in a way we're also journalists uh, through our using our voice uh, to to really bring about. I guess the information and the the structure of the paranormal and the unknown and ununderstood things that we talk about. Uh, I just felt like if I was in that predicament, if I was trying to tell somebody or teach a, a certain type of people or all people that they should be critically thinking, I would have provided the evidence that supports my idea or my theory uh, as opposed to just, you know, throwing out some random bull uh, in hopes that people would bite. Yeah, it, there's an easier way to say we should all be more better critical thinkers, <laughs> right. basically. Right. Oh, well, anyway, with that said, again, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. That link will be posted uh, in, you know, in our info spot. So d- definitely check that out and let us know. But with that said... We did do another investigation in Fargo, North Dakota. So we drove a little bit away and decided to do one more investigation. And it was interesting. So we ended up at Riverside Cemetery. This is one of the most haunted locations in Fargo, North Dakota. And we just had to check it out for ourselves because why not? We had the time and so we did. We took our little voice recorder, uh, me, Justin, and his wife, we hiked, well, drove, but, you know, hiked, drove, <laughs> right on over to, to the cemetery, and we got out of the car, we took a bunch of photos, took a bunch of videos, and, of course, we did a bunch of EVP recordings and asked a ton of questions. Now, with that said, Justin, arriving into the cemetery... What was your initial thought? And this could be both a a feeling, it could be an actual idea, uh, you know, what you're seeing, whatever. Like, what was your thought when when pulling into the cemetery? Um, Well, you know, I had read to you guys and I kind of read it before I read it out loud about what people are coming across there. Um, The the biggest things were... uh, weird or or strange uh audible noises on evp recordings um they had said at the mausoleum that there was a a knocking from the other side of the door because the mausoleum is locked unless people are requesting to go in there um 
And I, I th that was pretty much the only major things that they talked about for Riverside Cemetery. Nobody said anything about uh, pictures of, of orbs or ghosts of any kind. So going into it, I was... With cemeteries as a whole, it's kind of hard to like really wrap your mind around spirits being there. I mean, of course, it's it's a place where we lay our dead to rest, but they should be resting, not just roaming a cemetery to uh, communicate with people. Um, but uh, when we when we got there, um, and, and you know, just kind of getting out of the car, uh, you could I could kind of feel a a small residue type thing like I kind of talked about last week with um the cemetery here in Bismarck but mm -hmm. nothing nothing major had hit me or anything a uh, beautiful cemetery though very beautiful very uh pristine we had turkeys chasing us in the car we had Dude, it was uh, like Jurassic Park it was crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah we had deer uh roaming the the cemetery grounds uh, just a very serene, beautiful scenery. Um, oddly enough, while we were there, uh, the crematorium was active. They they were cremating a body or getting ready to uh, while we were there. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I, I although I didn't really feel any residue. Um, at least nothing typically spiritual, but I think everyone kind of feels a some like some sort of residue when they're in a cemetery, just because it's a cemetery, you know, we know what it is and we know how many, how much dead is buried there. Uh, yeah. So I think that in, just in itself is more than enough to provoke some sort of feeling, uh, whether sad or negative. Um, now, I, I was personally really excited to visit the um, uh, what was the name of the, do you, was, did that one building have a name, like a specific name? The, the mausoleum, the mausoleum. Yeah. Did it have like a specific, okay. I don't um, think so. Yeah. I don't think it okay. had like, you know, Richardson's mausoleum or anything like that. Okay. So, but you know, so there's this mausoleum there, which is really the only mausoleum It's the biggest one It's right there at point, like in your face when you pull into the driveway, right. right? You can't miss it. Uh, so I was really excited to get there, not so much in hopes of finding evidence, but debunking some evidence. Because the one thing that was brought up, uh, you know, it, multiple times in the research, and Justin had mentioned it to me a couple of times as well, was the idea that there was this knocking coming from inside the mausoleum, especially at the door. Uh, so it was as if this entity, when you were there at certain times, you would hear the knocking on the digital voice recorder. Um, and sometimes you'd even hear it with your own ears. Now, <clears throat> I took a ton of pictures and uh, plenty of video for my documentaries. And you know, of course, we did a bunch of EVPs, didn't come up with any EVP specifically, unfortunately, as well, because we were really hoping to catch something uh, on digital voice recorder, but we didn't. Uh, but one thing that we did notice uh, was the doors, because the doors were, well, they're basically like a heavy, I'd imagine, made of a, out of iron, uh, probably. It was iron and glass with iron rivets in, in within it. Um, it was a pretty solid door, uh, seemed relatively heavy for the most part, but it did seem a little loose. And by loose, I mean, if you were to tug on it, it was going to sway probably about half an inch or so, uh, maybe a quarter inch, you know, between somewhere between there. Uh, so not a lot, but enough to actually visually see movement and even catch it on camera, which I did. Uh, but the one thing that was very specifically interesting was when we were asking for these EVPs, I kept hearing a knocking sound coming from the door and it sounds like it's coming from the inside. So I was excited naturally, like, Hey, everything that people said online is happening. Cool. Let's take a bunch of photos. But of course, if you're a true paranormal investigator, you're going to let the science speak for itself. So we had to look a little closer and sure enough, that's when I found out that there's this door not only moves a little bit when you tug on it, but it moves on its own whenever there's a slight breeze. And I'm not talking, when I say light breeze, I mean like a light breeze. Like you don't even have to have a gust come by to move it. 
just a little bit of gust and, you know, the thing shakes a little bit. Uh, now, it doesn't always make the knocking noise when it moves, but occasionally, if it was pushed far enough from one side or another, there would be this knocking noise that appeared on the right side uh, between the door and the frame, which from what I can tell was simply the metal. Uh, I don't know if it was the hinge itself or maybe the metal of the door bumping up against the frame to, in, in some way. Um, but it always happened when the door was pushed kind of closed, you know, so it wouldn't happen if the door swayed open, it would only happen when it swayed closed, which tells me that it was probably making contact uh, with the frame because if the door is swinging open, there should be plenty of room between the frame and the door itself that would prevent it from rubbing or bumping uh, and therefore causing damage. So, you know, that was a little disappointing, but also kind of an exciting find because we're able to debunk what everyone else thought was paranormal. Uh, on top of that, on the opposite side of the door where the two doors meet, because it is a two door um, frame. So you have like a door that has a handle and then the other door just kind of sits there solid. It can also be opened as well. Um, you can see that when it moved, it would rattle if it pushed hard enough uh, because the Basically, as you guys have seen in so many doors, this this particular door had, oh, how do you explain it? Like a little, I guess a little lip on it so that when mm -hmm. it closed, the other door closed up against it, it would kind of create a bit of a seal. Right. Uh, and every time you would push it or let the wind blow uh, hard enough that the, the main door would bump up against the slip and create, again, a little bit of a knocking noise, metal on metal. Um so, you know, that's not to say that every single knocking noise that people have ever heard can be debunked, but it at least debunks the knocking noise that Justin and I heard. Uh, and what's more is not only did we see it with our own eyes, but I went ahead, we, we did a video uh, to kind of show what was happening. And again, I took other videos to kind of show and hear the noise. So that's something else that will probably hopefully upload it should upload fine uh, a little link for you guys to click on and check out for yourself and uh, you can let us know what you think whether or not you hear the noise or whether whether or not you think the wind is more than enough uh, to create the noise uh, based on what we're showing you right yeah yeah and uh, unfortunately with doing investigations outside for both in sims uh, here in Bismarck and in Fargo, uh, North Dakota gets very high winds. Uh, I'd say nine times out of 10, uh, for each day you're, you're getting high winds for the most part. So if we would have caught any EVP recordings, uh, just strictly EVP recordings, we, it could have been drowned out by the wind. Um, I'm sure there would be those that say, you know, that, that spirits can use the wind to to speak and that's absolutely probably true but if it's a low you, you know if that spirit doesn't have a whole lot of energy to go off of and it's a very low voice you're not going to hear it over over wind so um i i think for the most part i i think what was the most interesting about riverside just because we were there, there was the animals, the an the animals showing up just, and I shouldn't say just because we were doing a paranormal investigation, but it, it just seemed awesome that, uh, they were there, uh, almost seemed like a validation sort of that we might catch something. Um, but unfortunately we did not now, granted, we didn't have all the equipment that we usually do. Uh, we were using our phones for the camera, which usually, uh, you know, a lot of people speculate you should not be using your phone at all for any of it um so we didn't have any external cameras we didn't have our uh emf detectors we had a recorder we had ourselves and we had our phones that was it um but overall i i mean I, it was just an awesome experience didn't have anything weird happen um Actually, I take that back. Something weird did happen with you when we were at the crematorium. Uh, oh, you were trying to take yes. a picture. Yeah. So tell weird. them about that. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, so unfortunately, go figure, I didn't have the camera recording when it happened. Um, 
but so so basically with a camera especially in this case with the iphone it has an autofocus on it so it usually focuses on whatever the subject is that's closest to the camera and of course you could change that by simply tapping anywhere on the screen in fact most cameras have that ability now whether it's a phone or a high-end digital camera uh, now, in this case, I was looking at Justin, I was taking photos. Um, and at one moment, as I'm just kind of sitting there setting up a shot, it kind of goes black for a moment, not full black, but it, the screen completely darkens. Uh, you can see just small silhouettes of like the building behind it, like the red glow of the brick. Um, it, it almost looked like a negative image in a way, just with a whole lot more black in it uh, and a little bit of color. It only happened for a split second, and then, you know, it, it, it came back to normal. <clears throat> now, what was really weird about that is that only happens when the camera or like an object is super close to the camera. So in order for me to show Justin what happened, I had to actually place my phone or my hand right up to the lens and show him how it kind of darkens itself as it tries to um, not only find its focus, but also reevaluate its white balance and correct itself. In this case, though, when it happened, I was maybe three and a half, maybe four feet away from Justin, maybe a little more. Uh, so there shouldn't have been any issue. The camera could easily focus on Justin. It could easily focus on the bench that was behind him, and it could focus on the tree and the, um, the crematorium in the background. And yet, as I'm sitting there still, holding the camera still, it kind of flashed black as if something passed directly in front of the lens, practically brushing up against it. And then it went back to normal color, which was really odd because again, that only happens when an object is so close to the camera that it can't focus or white balance, which means that there is a very strong possibility that something undetected by my own eyes or ears or Justin's or his wife's happened to pass between us close enough to my camera, which cause it to malfunction just for a moment. And this is an iPhone. This is a camera on an iPhone. These aren't things that typically malfunction like other cameras do in the field um, because they're meant to go on normal use regularly for a long amounts of time or on right. them all day long. Uh, and they also just don't have the mechanics that regular cameras do. So I thought it was really odd. Uh, especially being that was that it was an all set up to be automatic. Um, what it was, I don't know. I wish I had the video running. I would have never caught it if I was just snapping photos, probably, unless I did a burst session at the right time. Um, and a video, at least I could have caught it and snapped pictures afterward, taken frames. Unfortunately, neither of which was happening. So whatever it was, I can't go back to debunk it. I can't reevaluate it and see whether or not I like, brushed up against it. Like my hand, my finger, like get in front of the lens or what happened. I'm, and I'm 100% confident I didn't. Um, I'm usually pretty good when I'm holding any type of camera. You know, I mean, kind of been trained <laughs> not to get myself in front of the image. Uh, so I don't know what it was, you know. It's, I hadn't seen it happen before like that. So I don't know. It, it was weird though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had thought about it earlier today and yesterday to make sure I brought it up. And as we were talking, I of course completely forgot about it until, you know, just that moment. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was, again, unfortunately it was an interesting thing, but we didn't capture anything with it. Um, I, I, Eric and I have talked about this. We are going to start working our way back up to having normal equipment again, just because we do want to do this, uh, at least on a part-time basis where we're doing investigations, whether that's together or apart. So, um, one thing that we will bring up a little bit later is spirit boxes. Um, we'll get into that in detail because we did do something with it but uh we're going to take a quick break you've been listening to paratruth radio right here on new lantern media we will be right back right after this now eric's random fact of the day as we all know paratruth radio is your source for the paranormal and the weird 
With that said, did you know that a buttload is an actual unit of measurement? It's true. In fact, the term buttload is equivalent to 126 gallons. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Hey everyone, I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart. Join me on the second and last Sunday of each month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. We talk about ghosts, cryptids, aliens and UFOs, and so much more. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and any place you find fine podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are discussing our investigation in Fargo, North Dakota, specifically at Riverside Cemetery. So far, we've had a few odd experiences, one of which was debunked, the other, which is just an experience, unfortunately. Um, But we did have some other interesting things that we did there. So, Justin, I'm going to give it to you to take away. Yeah, so uh, after Riverside Cemetery, uh, we were just kind of tired, not sure if it was anything paranormal, we've just been traveling a lot, Um, but uh, the the one thing about all of these investigations, I'll bring this up now, is we didn't have any weird battery drains in anything, in the the voice recorder, our phones, nothing. I mean, Eric's phone went dead at... um, Trollwood Park, which we're about to talk about, but I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but your phone wasn't completely powered to begin with when we went there, right? No, my phone was pretty low, probably around 25%. So, and I was using video and taking photos, um, switching back and forth. So that's naturally going to take a lot of energy, uh, especially for my phone, because I have a lot of apps and different you know, books and things like that on there. So yeah, uh, definitely. I could tell you right now that it going dead had nothing to do with spiritual drainage or, you know, anything like that. Okay. So, uh, Trollwood park is on, um, a piece of land that used to be a cemetery for those that were less fortunate to, uh, be able to be buried in one of the bigger cemeteries. They moved, the graveyard and the bodies to an, another cemetery. But there is a rumor that there are still bodies buried there uh, close to the parking area. Um, one of the things that is brought up in the research is that uh, the, there was a, uh, the, the Trollwood, um, I, I don't, remember the exact term, but acting troop pretty much is what comes to my mind. Um, they, they would have reenactments there or, or plays there. Um, and the, the accounts were that a lady would come out of the woods or from behind a tree and just start dancing while people were doing, um, the, the plays. And it was specifically to a, uh, uh, what was the type of trees that were there, Eric? 
the oak trees specifically. Was it willow or trees? We have well, the ones that I, you talking about, like the lady. Yeah. So it was a willow tree in that case. Willow tree. Okay. Yeah. Um. There, there was two willow trees next to this marker that says, "Uh, cemetery number two. So we we really couldn't figure out. There's two willow trees in that specific location, and just a bunch of willow trees in that area. Uh, but we were trying to determine which tree it was that they were talking about because it says right next to the marker. Well, there's not one right next to the marker. The marker is in between two willow trees um, and not dead center either. It was kind of off a little bit. So we were kind of deciding that. And then um, as I kind of walked around that area, it was very one specific where I started getting the the very heavy feeling um like I did in Sims when we were at the the house if you guys remember from last episode uh didn't get sick or anything but I, I there was definitely a very very strong presence there um and so we were doing EVP sessions and doing EVP sessions um Shelly was laying on a picnic table by that tree and she felt like she was grabbed. Um, she had gotten off the table and we had looked and um, there was kind of a mark there, but not really. So I had asked her, you know, was that mark there before? And she's like, oh yeah, maybe it was just a, a former bruise or something. Um, but she kept saying that it felt like somebody was grabbing the back of her leg and then letting go. Uh, she was trying to write it off as, you know, it's just her body doing that, muscle spasms, whatnot. Um, but the next day, uh, I had sent a picture to Eric um, that she did have kind of a welt there. So to me, uh, you know, yeah, we can write it off as just coincidence. But with me feeling stuff there, and then she started having that experience there, and then uh, Eric did validate that he was having a little bit of a feeling there too. Uh, kind of made me wonder, you know, was that any, I mean, of course it's a personal experience. It's not scientific evidence that we can say, Hey, this is what we got. But, uh, that was definitely the, one of the, the big things that came to my mind. Uh, after two or three EVP recordings, uh, I did switch to using a spirit box app on my phone. Now I hear everybody already yelling at me that the apps suck, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I tried to reach out to uh, a couple of groups on Facebook, uh, paranormal equipment groups and ask them, you know, what ghost box, everybody or spirit box, everybody uses. Um, one of the biggest ones was the uh, PS7, I think it is. Uh, it's a, a spirit box you can get from um, ghostop.com. Uh, but th this, a lot of people did bring up the apps. So this particular app, I don't know. It, it is interesting. Uh, we were kind of getting some interaction, sort of. Unfortunately, with this particular app, trying to play the audio here would have hurt everybody's ears. So um, I, I really didn't include it. But uh, some of the stuff we were getting was interesting. Um, we had asked for the name. Um, I heard a Lydia twice, but my wife Shelly heard Molly, and we did get Molly a couple of times. Uh, so I don't know if there were two separate spirits there was it just random um we did hear witch a couple of times shelly thought she kept hearing cussing i didn't hear that but i believe you heard cussing on there right i did yeah um so we were doing a lot of um uh, with that and 
unfortunately, I can't say definitively that those answers were in direct answer to our question. Um, this particular um, Spirit Box app goes off of a sound bank rather than live radio feed. So it's a little bit different. A lot of people did say they do have better experience in, in, in the groups that I posted, have better experience with the actual live radio over these sound bank apps. Um, and, you know, there were some people that were completely downing the app saying, uh, they all say for, uh, entertainment only. Well, that's a legal thing. They have to say that. Uh, you know, some people did say, well, if a spirit wants to speak to you, they're, they're going to use whatever means necessary. And I do agree with that to a certain extent, but we, you really have to discern are these answers to your question or is it just random gobbledygook that is being put through the speaker? Uh, unfortunately, we also didn't have an external speaker or anything, which probably would have helped greatly. We were just using this, the speaker on my phone. Um, what, are, what are some of the stuff that you're remembering from it, Eric? Yeah, so... <clears throat> Uh, the main thing was, of, well, as you had said, it was kind of weird how it was set up, right? Um, so the, the marker that showed that it, you know, what was left of the cemetery, or at least the cemetery was in that specific spot was actually marked out by eight total markers. Um, which is really interesting because you had your set one, but then in a rectangle, you would find that there was another rock probably about 50 feet to your left as well as to your right. And that continued on uh, for what, one, two, three, four, I think it was four or five rocks total on one side. And directly across from the edges, you could see another rock, another 50 or so feet away from it. And then again, it did the same. It repeated um, the pattern down the far side. So it was basically this huge rectangle uh, where the cemetery was already fully marked out. So if you were within this rectangle, that's more or less where the cemetery is. Now, I ended up feeling, you know, a couple of things. One was, of course, by this tree uh, that Justin had focused on. I felt a little bit of something at the opposite uh, willow tree as well, uh, which had a bench below it as opposed to a picnic table. So I went over there and snapped a few shots. And this is, of course, very late into the evening. The sun is already setting and it's getting dark. Uh, from there, I was kind of drawn to the water. There was a river that ran through the backside of the park. So I went back there and I started taking a bunch of photos. My phone was about to die. So I figured, why not just burn it out and just snap as many as I could? And that's what I did. Now, with that said, I was going through some of these photos and I noticed a couple of interesting things. Uh, nothing crazy, but nonetheless, weird. Uh, two of the photos are very blurry. Now, that's not normal uh, when I'm taking photos, uh, unless I'm purposely trying to create the blur, which means moving really fast while snapping the photo. Is it possible that I snapped the photo and moved the camera fast enough where I was able to move it before the, um, before the shutter snapped the photo? It's possible, however, also possible is the, poss is, is the idea that maybe a spirit or some sort of entity brushed past the camera lens, creating a sense of movement uh, as I snapped the photo. Um, now, this is something that has been documented in the past, not with just ourselves, but with various paranormal investigators throughout the years where they'll snap a still photo and see some sort of motion blur. Uh, when there really shouldn't be one. That happened twice, and it's the only two times that it happened. So that was, that's what kind of is weird. The other thing is, uh, and I mean, this is one that I would take with a grain of salt, but still odd, was that there was this one photo that almost appeared, it appeared like there was a face inside of a bush. Uh, and I sent it to Justin. He couldn't really see it at first. So I ended up lightening it up and, you know, changing some of the aspects of the color uh, and then change, uh, sending it back to Justin again. And sure enough, he could see the face as well. 
It was basically an outline with a nose and a bit of a mouth, but the most prominent were the two eyes that were in it. Again, this is something that very possibly could be debunked, but being that we didn't see the photo because my phone died until after it got charged later on, we were unable to go back and debunk the photo uh, only because I had a flight that took off at seven in the morning the following day. So that kind of sucks. Um, hopefully in the future, if we ever get a chance to go back, we'll be able to go debunk that. But it is possible, and you know we've made the mistake before when it comes to plants. It's our downside, our downfall. <laughs> plants, plants are our weakness. Um, it is possible that it just simply was the shape of the leaves. Uh, maybe at the right moment, with the way the wind blew, the two eyes could have just been, uh, you know, two little s- spots that had like a uh, where the leaves didn't converge, and so I was being able to see through them to the river behind. Uh, just giving the effect of eyes in photo. But again, we can't be completely certain. Uh, there's obviously a lot of documentation of faces being caught in windows, um, which could very well be smudges, but then again, maybe not. Uh, so this is just one of those things that we unfortunately have to document as weird, but not necessarily paranormal. Um, aside from that, there wasn't, too much in terms of feeling you know i didn't it wasn't the same as you know as i mentioned last week when we were at the bridge in sims north dakota i didn't get that type of sense have that sensitive feeling of anything spiritual there aside from just kind of a pull towards the willow tree um you know what that was what the pull was i don't know there's so many factors that go into it was it spiritual was it because justin's feeling things you know we, we don't know um but it was something to at least document for ourselves to help us um, kind of help direct us to where we a spirit might be. And that's one thing I think you always have to remember is if you are sensitive or you're training to be sensitive, uh, you never use the sensitivity of a spiritual entity uh, as documentation. You use it to guide you to a place where you can pick right. up documentation uh, visually or audio- audibly. Um, so yeah, you know, and, you know, there are some odd experiences overall. I know, uh, Justin's wife, she had felt something grabbing her leg or something like that, um, which at the time we didn't see anything necessarily visual. Uh, but later on, Justin did send me a photo of, was it one or two bruises on her leg in the approximate area where this entity may have grabbed onto her leg. Um, so there is that again, when it comes to that kind of thing, you can only say so much. Um, it's not like a scratch, you know, most of us, you know, if we get a scratch on our neck or arm or back, uh, it happens in the moment and we can see it manifest in the moment. This was a little different. Um, she felt something, was it like tension? Did you call it? Or she felt, she said it felt like something was squeezing the back of her leg. Okay. Uh, and you know, who knows, maybe it's possible, you know, and again, there's these bruises there Were those bruises created by something squeezing her leg or were they already there? Um, we had been walking quite a bit that day. So the tension could have been the muscle just tensing up over a long day with inadequate fluids. Um, you know, those are possibilities. You got to consider both the medical aspect to some of these things, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, because there's always... Uh, I guess there's always something that would probably deter the motive of of a spiritual entity being involved. It could very well just be a normal physical thing that happens uh, on a day-to-day basis or after a long day or, uh, you know, a lot of sunlight, things like that. So always something to, to, to be wary of is pay attention to your body and how you're feeling and what could cause those feelings and therefore what can relieve those feelings as well. Um, because you might find out that something like tension on your leg is simply just the lack of water and the muscle tightening up a little bit of salt, a little bit of water and boom, your muscles feeling good again. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I mean, nothing else weird except, except for a story from Justin, which I don't, do you want to share it? I mean, you happen to see something really, really <laughs> weird in the bathrooms there. Um, 
some of it's paranormal. Um. Well, I I don't know what it was, but when we had started making our way to Trollwood Park, um, or I guess it really hit when we got to Trollwood Park. I, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom really bad. Um, there was no holding it. Let's put it that way. So I ran to the bathroom. Um, it was a disgusting bathroom to begin with. But uh, somebody had left a, we'll just call it a loaf, on the floor um, right in between the two stalls. So I couldn't go to either stall and get away from it. Um, there And the smell was horrid in that bathroom, so that's probably why. Also looked like somebody had sprayed the entire stall where I was, so I wasn't touching the walls either. Um, yeah, it was just a really disgusting experience. Nothing paranormal at all. But, uh, you know, the feeling of feeling I, like I had to go just came out of nowhere. It could have been bad food. I, I'll 100% say it. I have a very sensitive digestive system, so it does not... Certain things just don't sit with me very well. Um, but to to go to the park, and then all of a sudden I have to go to the bathroom like really, really bad. I can't hold it. Uh, was interesting because uh, I've I've talked to a lot of different people about what sensitivities uh, manifest when you're a a psychic medium sensitive whatever, um, and I have had people tell me that you know some of those some of those abilities will manifest in a physical way, uh, meaning that you'll you f- you'll feel like you have to go to the bathroom urgently. Um, you know, there have been talks about feeling ill when you're having these sensitive things happen to you as well. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, again, can't say it was paranormal f- per se. We had eight, uh, just before we got to the park, um, could have been something eight. I, I will 100% say that uh, that's a very good possibility too. But, um, yeah, it was Definitely a very disgusting bathroom. I would not suggest anybody using the bathrooms at Trollwood Park at all. But, um, so yeah, that that's pretty much it. Um, unfortunately, we were really hoping for a much better uh, turnout as far as evidence was concerned for our first time out, but we were also kind of not as prepared uh, with some other equipment that we could have brought with us. Um, but that is just a, uh, learning lesson for us for next time, uh, time to, time to dust off any old equipment that we do have, which I don't have anything really. So I'm going to have to reinvest, um, and invest in some new stuff. So, uh, Overall, experience-wise, I I thought both Fargo and Sims were, and the Bismarck Cemetery, just because of that weird experience with that woman, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was just an awesome start to doing paranormal investigations again. But uh, evidence-wise, yeah, I really wish we could have caught something. For sure. Um, But, you know, it's a good takeaway for jumping back into the saddle again and uh, doing these investigations, it, it it was still, um, it was still exciting, and certainly still uh, created plenty of <clears throat> at least personal experiences for both of us. Uh, things that I think uh, we, we probably didn't didn't really take into much consideration over the last few years as much as we should have. Um, you know, I know I had told him like I it, when we started in Sims. I didn't feel as sensitive to the spiritual world as I used to be. And much of that is due to the lack of investigating and therefore pulling back away from the spiritual realm altogether, aside from, of course, the research that we do here for the show. Uh, so just jumping back in, you know, it, it was kind of cool to, to, to feel that sensitivity come back relatively quickly, not as strong as it has been in the past, but nonetheless, something that can be worked on uh, probably for both of us. 
Uh, and then, you know, again, the feelings, they don't provide evidence per se to all of you, but it provides evidence to ourselves knowing that regardless of where we're at in our lives or whether or not we're investigating, uh, there is possibly still something on the other side uh, in, these, in these places, whether it's right in your own home or walking with you, uh, whether it's the angel on your shoulder or the the entity, the, the human spirit, maybe a few houses down, um, you know, we're not necessarily alone. And I think it just kind of triggers not only our respect for the world beyond our own in terms of spirituality, but also, you know, to remember that there are quite possibly souls uh, that have been lost to time that are just forgotten and living in these areas uh, where they can't really reach out to anybody. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm excited for the next investigation. And I know, like Justin said, we've been talking about getting more equipment and getting back into it again. Uh, so in future episodes, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to those uh, much higher quality investigations, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> with the proper equipment. Uh, but again, these investigations are kind of just on a whim, primarily because at the time, Justin didn't even know I was coming to North Dakota. So and I couldn't really tell him. So we can't set up anything formal. It was just kind of like, right. hey, I'm here. Let's get out there and do something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun just to randomly pick these these different locations. Um, ab about the sensitivity thing, uh, w one of the things that I, I think is hard is opening yourself up to those sensitivities again, because not doing investigations, you're not you're not really doing research you're open to the the paranormal but you're not open to these types of experiences compared to when you're in the field doing it so um i i agree with you 100% that it's just something that will open back up over time as we do more stuff right so all right folks that is the end of our little mini series for paranormal investigations. Uh, unfortunately we were not able to do more than those four little ones. Um, but definitely look forward to more to come. We are definitely going to work hard at making sure that we are doing, getting out into the field more, uh, kind of tired of just randomly doing research on a specific topic. And I think that, uh, you guys will enjoy it as much as we will. So make sure you're staying tuned to Paratruth Radio. A lot of great stuff coming for Paratruth Radio and all the shows on New Lantern Media. Um, make sure you check out Paranormal Heart. Uh, let's talk about Beyond Reason and Paratruth Radio. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This This is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dino Tripodis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good poor. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.